0: most people listen to podcasts to learn something, to be entertained and to walk away feeling inspired, perhaps even educated a bit. Hello, I'm Devo and I'm one of the two hosts of our show, the Little Impolite Podcast. Welcome and thanks for listening. This show is for the expansive, open-minded, creative whose persistent curiosity towards integrating new information in their lives never stops. Think of it as the Free thinkers' toolkit for anyone that refuses to enroll in the conformity of all of those around them, instead forging their own paths with fortitude and love. It's that slightly unapologetic conversation with that new friend you just met that sort of wistfully and effortlessly pushes the conversation into spaces that you never expected. It's the deep-hearted conversations with purposeful and thoughtful individuals that have finally figured out their superpowers and are now pouring into it with gusto and love. We're delighted to host these conversations with you that lead us down the conversation well, but watch your step because most of our guests, and of course, Lisa and I, are a little impolite. Welcome to the Little Impolite podcast. That was a
1: fantastic show we just had, and I hope you'll join it and give it a full listen till the end because we talk about a lot of things on this podcast Katie Green was our guest. She is a holistic practitioner from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Lisa and I grilled her on the top 10 fruits and vegetables we should be eating, some of the modalities that we should be implementing into our lives. And we talked about whether we should be drinking coffee or not. So it was a fantastic guest. Lisa, any closing thoughts on the show itself or any feedback you want to...
2: I don't want to give too much away, but we kind of talked about everything as far as... um the vitriol that we are told to believe about our health and the reality of of what she's discovered and uh, the way that we and our children can be educated to have a better, healthier life.
1: And she dropped a lot of F-bombs. I think she's the first kid. I liked her even more because of that.
2: (laughs) And even though she drops F-bombs, she's written a fantastic book for children to educate them in a really fun way without any F-bombs. No.
1: I wonder if there is at the closing chapter that's just one for the adults. <laughs> a secret page, like one of those. What are those things you have to talk about at Christmas time? What was those called?
2: Oh, like the um calendars, yeah. Advent uh, calendars.
1: An advent. I wonder yeah. if it was, she should include an advent page and it just says just for adults. And there's like F is for <laughs> into her diet <diatribe>. job
2: Fucking healthy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that was a fun conversation.
2: She's I, I, amazing.
1: Yeah. And if you don't follow her on Instagram, um, her handles are popped in during the show. But she has a really fun Instagram channel. where She drops a lot of knowledge and some of the things. She's a really strong advocate for children and in the community and in the public school system and, and all the things that are going on right now and the indoctrination of children. And as she says, sort of a war going on right now to win our children over. So as parents, the this, this show is near and dear to me, which is why I wanted to get her on the show to have those conversations.
2: You know what I liked about her as well, among all the other things, is her talking about what happens when a patient actually comes to her office for the first time and the amount of time that she spends with them and the conversations that they have and going through all of the modalities of figuring out what the actual root causes of whether it's migraines or any other things that are happening to them, that they've just been thrown some medicine and nothing it has you know helped from the pharmaceuticals and getting to the root of the problem. It's not a 5-10 minute visit and here you go, here's a script and get that fill.
1: I wonder if she makes you wait in the waiting room for two hours before you would be seen.
2: Just so you know how important the doctors are. <laughs> I never
0: understand that when I go to
2: a
1: doctor's office. I have an 11 o'clock appointment, but I don't get into like one o'clock. It's like, dude, like there's no way you can be two hours behind schedule because you only see your patients for about five minutes to begin with. So mm-hmm. you're stacking like the airlines. They're just overbooking like airlines. Is that what they're doing?
2: I'm not sure, but that's probably a whole other podcast.
1: Um, what you just said reminded me of... Remember the old school show, Leave it to Beaver?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you remember June and Ward, they had a neighbor who was a doctor friend. And whenever Beaver would get hurt or Wally would get hurt, the doctor would actually come into their house and like do diagnoses and like fix everything. He was like a he was a visiting doctor. He made mm-hmm. house calls. And that was before medicine got bastardized, apparently, because that what she was describing and how she hangs with her patients and does real systemic diagnosis
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's what medicine is about reminds me of sort of the old school doctors would come around with their bag and walk into your house and give birth to you and then go back to the farm and give birth to a cow or whatever else they did that sort of stuff
2: but but i love her approach to it and i think right now um just personally there's some things going on where um has been less than adequate health care to someone in my family um and should there have been someone that was listening from the beginning it would have made a big difference so
1: not only somebody that was listening, but somebody who actually gave a fuck mm-hmm. to with you. I, I mm-hmm. you know, medicine for me, and this is going to get me in trouble with some of my medical friends. But medicine is designed to keep us sick because otherwise they're not in business. So if I'm not visiting them and I'm not taking their prescribed ail- ointments for pharmaceutical pills, whatever it is, there's no business for them. So I have yeah. to remain sick all the time. Yeah. So there I are love a- podcast. Podcasts. There are exceptions to the rule, obviously. All right. You're going to drop some knowledge on some things we have going on. Just our shameless plugs.
2: I love a shameless plug. <laughs> we are brazen and shameless about it. Um, We have a couple of really cool things. Well, we have actually a lot of cool things going on in our life, but... um,
1: Your audio sounds really good right now.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Which is really good because sometimes we're on the struggle bus with it and we don't find out until after the podcast. are <laughs> like, like, shit, that sounded <laughs> <laughs> um, but if any of you don't know, um, both Devo and I are in a business together called Sproke Connectors where we do... What do we do in it besides having uh, fun?
1: Brand strategy and acceleration for small businesses and entrepreneurs who yeah. don't have the time, energy, or necessarily the resources to know how to build a brand that tells their story properly and, and targets them to their ideal audience.
2: And the one thing that uh, among all the other things that um, small businesses struggle with is social media. And I think even in an independent way, we all struggle with it. It uh, takes a lot of time. We're not sure what we should be posting, how often we should be posting. reposting the right thing? Do we have imposter syndrome? We're not as good. The list goes on. So you created something that's, I think is really fabulous. We have a free download of it with how to create a healthier... Healthier environment around social media?
1: Yeah, 10 ways to have a healthy relationship with social media so that it doesn't burn you out, so it doesn't over overwhelm you and so that you get caught in that perpetual rat race of trying to keep up with everybody or scrolling your feed throughout the day. It's sort of a... It's a farmer's almanac, if you will, for social media to keep you healthy, wealthy, and wise. I love that. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And and keep you on target and knowing that you're still doing something that's making a difference and it's going to improve your business and everything. But you again, you're not scrolling all day getting lost in it and falling down that rabbit hole. You're still able to produce through your business.
1: So if you'd like to download this, it's free or are we selling it to them?
2: Today only it's free.
1: Okay, so if you'd like to access the 10 tips for a healthy relationship with social media, the download link should be somewhere here in the YouTube yeah. channel. We need to make sure that Ari gets that put in properly. So we need to make sure um, that Ravana and, and Ari are working on that. So can you own that, please?
2: I will own that. And also,
1: just, sorry, go ahead.
2: Also, we have something really exciting that we've been working on and wanting to do um, for a long time, and it's called Photography House.
1: By the time the show gets launched, however, it will already have happened, but I really... The
2: inaugural one will have happened, but we have much more coming up. What's Photography House?
1: Photography House is an all-inclusive business branding and photography incubator where we're basically going to lock eight photographers in a house and for three nights, for three and a half days... We're going to be going through an immersion of photography workshops with live models out and about in the city. We're going to be doing branding workshops in the house. We have 2 special guest speakers coming in who are going to be working to talking about a whole different area of your business you might not have thought about. So it's a more holistic approach. And by and large, the theme of it all is community, connecting, creating together. 8 photographers plus Lisa and I and 2 other guest speakers Living in a house, eating, drinking, sitting around a campfire at night, and just swapping stories and and getting to know each other and connecting and and forming a mastermind when we all leave so that you have a tribe of other like-minded business entrepreneurs just like yourself. If you're a photographer, who you can stay connected with and and learn and learn from and whatever else comes from that. So it's
2: a brilliant... I love this. I'm so excited about it. And it's an idea. Like, it actually sounds when you're describing it, like it should be a reality show, like locked up in a house and get all the cameras going. We will have cameras going because there's a lot of photographers there. But I think both you and I have been in situations where we've tried to do additional education to supplement our creativity and our business and all of that. We've never really felt like we were fed what we wanted to. And if we did go on something that was more of a styled shoot to do, um, to, to create things for your portfolio or anything, there was a hundred other photographers and we were all like a, a, a bunch of fly larva on a piece of stagnant meat, trying to, you know, jockey for p- positions to get a, sh- a shoot done. So,
1: so so that's why it's only eight people. We're not going to allow it's not a hundred people yeah. jockeying for position, like you said. It's just a small, intimate group of entrepreneurs, photographers that that we really can impact each other by being connected for four long days. Or for short.
2: Days. Real education, real conversations, real takeaways.
1: And the first one is in Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. You have a brilliant home in the heart of the city. It's a, a 1800... It was built in the 1800s, Victorian mansion. Um, room for 20, I think. So everybody gets their own room and um, we have, it'll be eating and educating and collaborating and connecting. It's going to be a brilliant. So I'm excited to be part of this. with
2: you. So coming to the city soon near you. Um, and you know how I am about picking locations. It's right, really, so it's really pretty.
1: It, will that be here in the podcast? If people want more
2: information on that or not? How Let's that? put that in the podcast too. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: If you want some more information about Photography House, you can find it at the website is photographyhouse.net photographyhouse.net and you can register for there become a guest um, or become a member sorry and you can send that out to any of your friends who also might be interested so excellent all right thanks for being part of the show today it was a fun conversation with Katie Green I'm Devo Lisa
2: I'm Lisa Staff you can find Devo on Instagram his major playing ground
1: At Fusion Not so much anymore. I've really been
2: taking the time out from the Instagram right now. Healthy relationship, I think.
1: Right. Just taking a little little small hiatus. I got back on yesterday.
2: But you still get a majority of your business from it.
1: I do get a lot of business from
2: Instagram. Yeah. And you can find me at Lisa Staff Photo on Instagram.
1: And if you like this show, which you should, if you don't, we have a problem. Like it. Comment below. Give us feedback. And if you want to hear more of our brilliant shows with our brilliant guests, make sure you follow us. All right. 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 Thank you. All right. So Katie, thank you for joining the show. Uh, Really excited to have you. I know we've had a couple of reschedules with you. So thank you for your patience on that.
3: It's all good.
1: (laughs) So on our show today, welcome. I'm Devo, Lisa. Hello. I'm
2: Lisa Staff.
1: And this is the Little Impolite podcast. I met Katie Green, who's our guest today. Um, I've been following you on Instagram for over a year now, basically probably more than a year through the, through the, uh, COVID nonsense is when I first discovered you and sort of we shared a common theme around being advocates and rebels, if you will, around the nonsense and the plethora of bullshit that was happening all over around this space. So that's how I first encountered you. But um, over the last six or seven months, I've really kind of grown fond of the stuff you're doing around children's education and advocacy for the children in in the public school system around masks and education and indoctrination and at diet and fitness and all those things. So I thought it'd be really fun since both Lisa and I are parents that we'd have you on the show uh, and just have a conversation centered around some of the things you're doing in the advocacy world, why the children are so important, what it means to the next generation of people who come after us since all of us are parents and some of the cool things that you're doing. And you're going to announce that you have a, can I say this now? Or do you want to go to the
3: show? Sure, go for it. Yeah.
1: You've re- recently written a book and you're getting ready to get that to hot off the presses. And That's you're going to talk a right. little about that book and maybe you're going to read a few, few uh, excerpts from it for us.
3: I'd love to. You're
1: a budding poet, apparently. <laughs> um, we shall see, suppose. Yes, so in your, in your uh, first onboarding form you sent us, you said you were a former collegiate athlete who were you were sick and you were injured all the time. And this sort of took you into this space of self-discovery around healing yourself in a more holistic and yes. more practical way. What's, what were some of the illnesses? What was that space? And what kind of, what kind of athlete were you?
3: I was a runner. So I ran, um, I did all the, played all the sports in high school, but then went on to college to run track uh, for LSU, Louisiana State University. And I had those reoccurring injuries. I suffered with chronic headaches, digestive issues, nothing totally severe that, showed any red flags to my parents, but it was enough to keep me off on the sidelines and not in the races. So my poor mom had me in and out of, you know, all the doctors, all the PTs, all the chiropractors. And it was sort of like, especially within the traditional medical scene, everybody's solution was similar in that it was like symptomatic care and release. And it was like, no one was addressing the why. And I was, even at a young age, I was confused as to why, why is no one trying to figure out the fundamental reason as to why I'm having these problems? I'm not in a, a, a deficit of medication. I'm not, my body isn't craving ibuprofen. There's got to be a fundamental reason happening physiologically, even at that. I mean, I had no idea I was thinking at the time, but it only made sense to me, um, And fortunately, I somehow stumbled upon, uh, it was my sophomore year in college, a holistic health practitioner who said all the right things. This is, you know, told me, taught me about how the body worked physiologically. And, you know, maybe we're having these chronic headaches because you're in a deficient, a nutritionally deficient state. Maybe running is a severe stress and you're uh, deprived of minerals and we need to get you in a more healthy alignment anyway. And it was just, Mind boggling and eye opening. And I spent years working with her and, you know, as cliche as it is, all the things went away. I was running faster than I ever even knew I could run. So it was like, OK, whatever you did, <laughs> tell me, give me all of the I immersed myself in the literature at the time. And I just that was that.
1: So that did that shape what you did in terms of your education at that point?
3: Yes. Yeah. So after undergrad, I just totally threw myself into the holistic World. Now, it's obviously a very roundabout um, on your own way to doing things because they make it very difficult in that sense. It's not a traditional schooling. You go for so many years. It's more of like a 10 year study, um, have to pass certain levels to get your licenses, things like that. So I'm, I'm certified, board certified through the American Association of Drugless Practitioners, AADP, which is my holistic license. And then I'm also a neuromuscular therapist. So I work with a lot of athletes now. Uh, young athletes, just like myself, that were that are injured, and they've they've been to all of the all of the people, and they're still suffering. I'm you. I was up until ironically um, after COVID, I was always a last resort. You know, someone that it's like it's, I was just weird enough to maybe possibly work. They're just desperate enough to seek holistic help. But I've seen this sort of turnaround now that um, I'm sometimes a first option, which is interesting. You know. Yeah. People must be waking up.
1: <laughs> you, you you, said something at the outset that traditional treatments were symptomatic. And I'd like to add to that, pharmaceutical, I don't know if that's an actual word, but I can recall, I don't visit a doctor very often, but I can recall many times in the past, I'd go see my doctor for something that was going on. And it was just like, here's a prescription, take this. Right. So no diagnosis. Right. Exactly what you said. Not Your into,
3: symptoms. Yeah. Not
1: getting to the root of the problem. What's really going on here? It's like The root, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to take the same antibiotics for my knee pain that I might take for my stomach ulcer. So, like, what I'm just making stuff up. It's like right. there's All a right. whole process to it.
3: So. Well, it's like nobody, nobody is honoring the innate brilliance, the intelligence of our bodies. There's a fundamental reason why people are experiencing what they're experiencing, and that was my, my goal. Like, I want to know what health actually means to you, to me, to the next person. I know it's not medications.
2: can can you explain to me then what the difference is between going to you having a connection with you diagnosis and and kind of what those steps are as opposed to us getting five minutes with a doctor as they're walking out the door and you're like you're like yeah but but, (laughs) (laughs) yep I'm feeling confused and then the questions were answered and then you're googling shit when you get back home
3: yeah (laughs) like what just happened yeah yeah that's a great question because I spend at the least and at well anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, especially at first with my patients. So the first initial appointment with me is we sit down and we talk and I ask them, they fill out an extensive health history and I want to know all about their past from when they were little to now, what they do for a living, what does their everyday life look like. We sort of have a conversation, we connect um, on a personal level there and then we go into my assessment room and I evaluate Physically, from head to toe, I want to know where their imbalances are, where their structure needs more lining, uh, where they have tension in certain um, muscle tissues and fascia and things like that. So it's like an it's a all encompassing approach to health because our belief is you cannot heal from anything, be be it something digestive or physically painful, if you don't address the nutrition and the physical. And of course, spiritual sides as well. So it's like it's it's a it's an all encompassing approach to health. And everybody is different, especially at this point in our lives. Right. We have entirely different backgrounds and paths and ways of eating and ways of living. And so I kind of like to get to the to the root of all of that.
1: I saw a stat recently. It might have been on Instagram. uh, So I don't know how much efficacy it has, but I think it's pretty legitimate because it came from, I think, Dr. Josh Axe. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Like you made with him
3: not I know I've heard of him but not enough to, to say. Lisa, and I,
1: Lisa and I, he has a supplement line um, huh. he's in the same field as you but he has a really cool supplement line that least and I've been taking for a couple of years now
2: um, you, you might
1: check him out he's an interesting guy
2: are you, you, know? are you do you have affiliate links what, what are you are you, sp- are you sponsored like what's going on here <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but he, he did a post recently on the number of medical schools across the country that actually had a uh, a, a dietitian or diet, fitness, and, and human nutrition uh, education in their curriculum,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: there was like over a thousand schools that he had researched. There were two, and I, I forgive me if I'm misstating who it came from, but I think it was him. Two schools out of the thousand schools that they had researched. That had any sort of curriculum centered around the human body and its functional purpose, diet, fitness, exercise, all of those pieces. The rest of it centered, every one of them centered around pharmaceuticals, um, radiation treatment, the traditional allopathic modalities. And so, you know, at the at the crux of the problem for me, I mean, that says everything because we're, we're training doctors right to just repeat the same cycle over and over again and and not get to the root of the problem. Like you said, why why is that in your position? In your
3: Well, I think as both of you very well know, the world is dominated by corporate interest. (laughs) And um, at the root of those interests are the pharmaceutical company. They essentially run it all. They are in control of the medical industry. They are in very close cahoots with the agricultural industry. Um, the agricultural industry is at this day and age, literally the chemical industry. And the relationship between all of those industries and the government is incredibly complex and incestuous. (laughs) If you ask me, it's all rooted in profit, instead of wellness. And it's, it's, it's really sad. And I think a lot of people are Waking up. I mean, if you think about it, it's absolutely insane that nutrition is not taught in medical school because food is the fuel that runs this vehicle. From the moment we're born, what we put into our bodies and the environment that we live in is either going to support or deplete our vital chemistry. And for 99% of Americans, that is in the form of depletion. So then we spend the rest of our lives. In compensation mode, trying to desperately make up for that that level of depletion, and that's when it's it's the chronic stress that takes part because the body becomes exhausted, and that's when we end up at the doctor's office, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well here are your symptoms, and here's your medication, and that's that's that." So um, yeah, I think we all know that, especially now that it's all rooted in profit. Now that's not to say that the medical system is not needed you know, every so often, but when it comes to chronic issues and chronic pain, which is what I deal with, it's not the place you want to be.
2: It's interesting to me, like everything that you say aligns and and, and resonates, but a lot of times when you speak to someone and, and come into a conversation like that, they walk away thinking you're a conspiracy theorist or something okay. like that. Um, but, but like, it's, it's true, it makes sense, but people just like to kind of put their head in the sand and
3: yeah, they've keep been
2: keep eating the chemicals.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't, people don't want to, but it's a scary thought to believe that they've been lied to their whole lives. That's always my, when someone walks in and they're brand new and they just came out of the medical system and they're still hurting and they're still sick and they don't know why, it's, I say my best piece of advice for you right here, right now is to forget everything that you've been taught up until this point everything that you think is right or wrong, give yourself permission to ditch the dogma, the doc, the doctrine. We're going to start over. I'm going to teach you a few things. We're going to learn how to rely on your own biofeedback and listen to your body because your body is always, always talking to you. I always say, we're always trying to maintain a level of homeostasis, which is like a complete and serene balance. And the body's going to do whatever it takes to, to maintain that balance. But there's levels of compensation that take place and it communicates with us in the form of illness and disease and headaches and digestive issues and if we can just learn to listen to our bodies then that is when health presents itself
2: but those those things that you're just talking about right now it seems like there's a plethora of those things going on right now and and medications that are coming out for those exact same things we were we were watching something on TV the other night and and we shouldn't have been, but we were laughing because we were waiting for, it was a drug commercial and we were waiting for <laughs> all of the side effects mm-hmm.
1: that
3: come
2: from it that were just...
3: That they like say really, really fast and underneath yes. their breath. Yes, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing about that is in my day when I, we were watching it, it was on the Amazon Fire Stick. I'm not sure why there were commercials, least that's because there's never a commercial to it, but for some reason there were. Um, so I typically mute them, but since your remote control can't mute, we had to listen to them. Um, But I was, I was taking a note when they were talking about that dialogue and that language. And I recall that when, I don't know how old you are, but when I was younger watching TV, those same commercials would be on all the time, but the cadence and the voice would change at the end of it. Right. The same person who's doing the voiceover throughout the commercial now just casually slides into all of the death effects now. Right. Almost like, subconsciously you don't really hear it right it's, all, oh, it's okay to have ulceric out of my anus tonight after I
3: take
2: yeah. it. it's <laughs> normal
1: right you might
3: have a seizure you might not it's <laughs> all good
2: <laughs> suicidal
3: all yeah. of that yeah right? all of it and then they're flashing all these like very sensory uh distractive things on the screen at the same time it's all it's all it's all done by plan.
1: <laughs> you, you said something a second ago that I want to go back to. And again, I don't want to make this dire straight. So let's try to, but there's a couple of things that you said that I want to touch on. You said that people are afraid to find out that they were wrong or that they've been misled. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of um harkens me back to a concept that I learned about a few years ago called Stockholm syndrome, where mm-hmm. you sort of you develop a relationship with your captors and you're sort of That bondage and and that misery and that pain and forgetting the fact that they actually are the ones who kidnapped you and made you do horrible things, but because over time, you just become dependent upon them. What is that about the human psyche that makes that happen, in your opinion? I, I don't understand that space. Like, if I were to be kidnapped, and I can't say that, but it seems like I would fight tooth and nail to get free. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to fall in love with my captor now. Right. And that's sort of what, what seems to be happening right now, that people have just been lulled to sleep. And a large majority of people have developed this Stockholm syndrome around their captors, which is, you know, pharmaceutical corporate, the bullshit that they're fed every single day. Why? What is the
2: reason? So you're not going to go Patty Hearst and be like robbing banks and stuff? <laughs>
3: I think I think it's a generational problem. So how do I say this without um everyone, everyone at this point is brainwashed, indoctrinated. And because the parents are brainwashed, they then are the ones teaching what they've learned to their children. So it becomes, well, my parents have taught me this. I grew up this way. You can't tell me that they were lying to me. I trust them. They love me, and it just continues generation after generation. Which is why my passion lies within the, the youth. Because if we can get a hold of them and wake them up, they are the future of society. They can change the world. Us, you know, at our age, if you're not awake already, I, I, ha- I have no hope for you. <laughs> um, but if we can, if we can get the youth and get them out of The system, the perpetual greed that of the industry that currently has America by the balls. They want the youth. They want to. There's incentive to get the children out of the home and into the system, reliant on the system. Teach them what to think, not how to think. Counter their health. We're injected with toxins from the moment we enter this world. So that's that's to exactly what you're saying. If we can if we can grasp the youth and get them to understand what's how, get them to see, then they can then teach their children. The truth.
2: So, I, I'd I'd like to talk more about how you break the cycle. So, oh, sorry, go ahead, Diva. Go ahead. But um, if you can just shed a little bit of light, then what in the last couple of years has been um, the detriment to some of our youth, and what you're what you're seeing or kind of the statistics on on whether it's just being alienated, whether it's just not getting enough vitamin D, everybody being inside, not going outside, all just kind of the detriment and what you're, you're trying to resolve right now and the things that, that can break the cycle.
3: I actually- That was a lot, sorry. No, I love it because I actually wrote down, let me see where I can find it in my notes. I'm sorry. I have some really alarming um, stats that sort of speak for itself. I'm
1: a nerd. I like, Can I? I have ask? like 18 pages of notes. <laughs> Go while, ahead. While you're looking for your uh, for your notes. I I was picking up my daughter yesterday from, and this is continuing with Lisa's point from uh, Carowinds, which is a sort of an um, amusement park here in my city. And I because they I picked her up when they were closing. I, I had to pick her up in like the the bus lot. Mm-hmm. So there's like buses everywhere, and large groups of kids are sort of conglomerated waiting for the rest of their pack to join them so they can get on the bus and go home. And and I'm sitting there just sort of watching everything going on, waiting for my kid and her friends to come out. And the only observation I could walk away with is how obese 90% of the children were in that parking lot. And then to add to that, and I'm not trying to be—I'm not trying to be mean. Like oh, they sure. Were just, no. They were just large children. It's a real
3: problem. Yeah. And
1: and every single one of them had something in their hand that caused that obesity. They were eating mm-hmm. cotton candy or big boxes of popcorn or mm-hmm. soda. so Like literally every single one. And it's of around
3: them. the schools too. That they're able to get their hands on. It's within. It's it's in the school. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: crazy to me. And and I, you know, because I don't really, I don't really spend a lot of time around children other than my own. But I've never really seen that many children in a in a setting at one, one setting. And I was like, holy
3: fuck, fat. Like yeah.
1: this large kids everywhere. Yeah. So, America
3: is obese. Yeah. And that's that's of course uh one of the stats. So one in five children two ages two to nineteen years old in America is obese. One in five. One in six children have eczema or allergies. And this is one that that really drives me insane because eczema and like food allergies or any type of seasonal allergies at this point is deemed normal. It's not normal. It's so common because of what's happening within our health system in America. It is absolutely not common. It should not, babies should not be suffering with eczema and allergies that they do. And every, every, that was one of the reasons that I wrote, that I wrote my book and we can talk about that. But, um, So one in five are obese, one in six have eczema and allergies, one in every 280 children right now, um, one years old to 19 years old are diagnosed with cancer in America. Now, this right here is the most alarming to me. So in the year 2000, one in 150 children were diagnosed with autism. You jump to 2018, it's one in every 40 kids diagnosed with autism. Now, that was the, the most recent stat I could find. You can imagine from 2018 to now what that is. And again, these are not, um, it's not supposed to be that way.
1: That doesn't sound like a planned indoctrination. That sounds like a planned genocide.
3: Right. Well, that's why the, 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 the mission is to counter their health. Um, the FDA approves the most God-awful, harmful chemicals and especially baby foods and formulas carrageenan i don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. carrageenan mm-hmm. it's a thickening agent it's like an emulsifier that's put in almost all baby formulas milk dairy products all the little yogurts the squeezable things people are not aware of this because it's fta approved and it's been there's uh, countless studies hundreds at this point that have correlated it directly to cancer it's banned in europe you're not allowed to use that ingredient in Europe and it's in our children's food in America. And that's just one of thousands. Um, yeah, it's a real problem.
1: <laughs> so go back to Lisa's question, if you will, yes. so, because I, I think it's a curious response and, and I think it's sort of the impetus for why we have you on the show.
3: Um, the answer to, to how to, to fix all that is education within the home. Um, humans were designed to eat a certain way and we're designed to eat according to our physiological makeup and our digestive makeup. And right now the government pushes foods that are not in line with that. So we start off at a young age eating, even if the parents are trying to feed their children healthy, it's things that the government have promoted that are not in actually right for humans as a species because every different species on the planet has an entirely different physiological makeup so meat for instance is demonized um potatoes butter coke fat real fat is demonized these are all things that our ancestors grew up on that are in one with nature that humans are supposed to be eating and thriving on and we're not we're fed processed foods and uh low fat this and i mean just just bullshit <laughs> so I think it ha- the education has to start um, young within the household and then it there has to be an element of of questioning our doctors so we go we immediately go to the pediatrician for the health for the health checkups even when you're not sick and they're shoving all this information down our throats and I think people need to be able to question and realize that they don't have to do every single thing that the medical system tells them they have to do That was the biggest enlightening moment for me from my first to my second son is, wait a second, I don't have to do everything they're telling me to do. This is my child. I can do whatever I want. It's not your child. It's my child. (laughs) Uh, And I think we're seeing that so much now with the masks and the, you know, all the COVID nonsense is the government and and the industry, if you will, that I uh, spoke of earlier is acting like they have the the, the first say with what we do with our children. And it's got to go back to the homes. It has to go back to the parents actually being the parents and taking the responsibility of the health of their child.
1: Or or modifying the public school education curriculum. Yeah, Mm
3: -hmm. That too. Yes.
1: You can modify that. You also have a direct impact.
3: Yeah. I mean,
2: there's there's always so much pushback on that. I want to kind of comment on one other thing when you're talking about the food, I think, I, and i I know for myself and I know you know a lot of other people, you're rewarded with food, but you're rewarded with not not food that's like here's some fantastic organic fruit that's you know or here's some green. you're always you know rewarded with garbage
3: right exactly like complete garbage, yeah, even yeah. like even in the schools, yeah, it's it's candy and cheetos and even at my son's school there and my boys are in private school and they snack on, um, what is it? Cheez-Its, I think goldfish every day. And if you look at the ingredients and in both of those things, it's, it's, it's not food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the problem starts at a very, very young age. Yeah. And you know, this is taking it, um, I guess people would say into a conspiracy <laughs> level, but if you think about it, it's actually an evil genius plan because if you can effectively grasp and mold and brainwash the mind and the body of a developing vulnerable child, then you can do whatever the fuck you want. In fact, if you want to take over the world, that's how you do it. So that's my that's my fight is pushing back against the perpetual um, indoctrination to try to get the children back on our side, back in the home
1: so we as parents, what are some of the things that we can do that are sort of grassroots that we have direct control over? For example, like how do you feed your children? What does a typical day in the Katie Green household look like? For yeah. you? <laughs> so when you go to my, school, and you feed them all those things?
3: Yes. My best advice would be fruit as much as humanly possible. Fruit is the, one of the best, most nutrient-dense foods that we can give our children. I so from the moment they wake up till so they go to bed they have fruit with every meal and they snack on fruit as well um, and if you start them young and so many parents say oh my kids don't they don't like fruit they don't eat fruit and that's why the I want the education to start young because if you like my boy started off eating fruit as you know as soon as they could put solids in their mouth and they love fruit now um, protein for any form of real, protein and real fat. My kids will even eat like raw butter. (laughs) Saturated fat is so, so heart healthy. And it's, um, got so many anti-inflammatory properties. And if we, the idea is, and this is all my, my study of food specifically comes from Dr. Raymond Pete. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He is, he's gosh, he's probably in his, almost in his eighties now, but he is a, um, Doctor, he's a PhD in biology with a specialization in human physiology. So, what I love about him is his research is not funded by the government, so it's totally unbiased. He's outspoken about the government, um, but he studies food in relation to humans specifically. So, what the idea is, that if we eat foods at a young age, with our starting with our children, that they can appropriately digest, that means they're able to adequately absorb the nutrients from the food. So, you hear about the word bioavailable. So we can eat say um, a raw piece of lettuce that is supposedly supposed to be healthy for us, but that lettuce is actually not humanly digestible. So even though the lettuce is equipped with a wonderful amount of vitamins and minerals, the humans as a species are not able to adequately absorb those minerals. So we want to eat the things that we can digest, which is fruits, root vegetables, like potatoes and carrots and onions and bell peppers, um, Rutabagas, um, what? There's so many. I should have had a list. Go back, back to
1: the lettuce for me for a second. So we're not supposed to be eating lettuce. So there goes our, <laughs> at least those. There goes our chicken lettuce wraps. If we love <laughs> yes.
3: You're So all the fun stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> that is the um, most controversial part of my education, especially with females, because and I was the same way. We live off of salads because that's what we are taught. But actually, the ruminant animals, so cows, sheep, deer, goats, they are physiologically equipped with what's called a rumen. It's a part of their digestive system. They are adequately able to digest the greens. And then we eat the animals that have digested the greens. So we're essentially getting the nutrients from the animals. Does that make sense? We're
1: eating clean beef
3: exactly so that's the problem is there's it's very hard to get very a good source of beef and most of the most of the research is done on hormone injected uh grain-fed beefs which is harmful to us so yeah if you're going to eat beef it, it's got to be a grass-fed source
1: so these fantastic lettuce mixes that i buy at costco with, <laughs>
3: with
1: kale and spinach and dandelion leaves and all that stuff that's something i should not be eating
2: is it a placebo?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. So I, I, I'm never the type to say don't don't eat this, only eat this, but we'll just I'll just put it this way. For someone who's healthy and has no issues, digestive issues, and feels good on a day-to- day basis, they can eat the greens and not so and not have any harmful effects. So the, the deal is is that we expend what's called ATP raw energy trying to digest the greens because we weren't designed to digest them in the first place. So not only do we not absorb the nutrients, but we waste energy trying to digest it, which is why a lot of people who live off of salads will report constipation or
2: yeah.
3: gas or bloat as soon as they eat. Those are signs that it probably wasn't ideal. Um but like me, I've been eating this way for years now so I can go have a salad and have no issues.
1: And I'm not bragging. I'm just giving. Yeah, this. I eat a lot of salad type. You know, <laughs> we but tell me that list again. You said that are sort of like, if you had to give me 10 must eat vegetables or fruit. I
2: was going to say three, but go for 10. And uh-huh. it's interesting that you say that my mom um, has had ulcerative colitis. And the one thing that she cannot eat, it the greens just are toxic.
3: Yeah. So I had, I I love to, I'll I'll get back to your list, but I love this story because I had as a patient, he's a um, GI doctor and we were talking about, I said, do you, do you educate your patients on nutrition when they come to you with colitis and you know, whatever they come to you with? The answer was no. And I said, well, do you, you, what are your thoughts about, because here's what I think. And I started talking about the salads and what we should be eating. And he said, all I know is this is what he said, quote unquote women that eat salads are keeping my doors open. They make me a lot of money, essentially. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What's his so name? Word.
2: What's his name? No.
3: <laughs> 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 essentially, he sees this influx of females who are eating so many salads that are presenting with the most severe digestive issues and i'm not sure if he was correlating that to like maybe we shouldn't be eating salads all the time but um
1: this sounds like an intervention on me because i eat a lot of those lettuce those lettuce mixes like for real i go to (laughs) costco costco has these really brilliant little boxes and they're pre-filled with i mean there's like 10 different types of lettuces in there
3: right
2: what about seaweed salad we're concerned about seaweed salad too now like (laughs) good question
3: This is what I like to say. So our taste buds are are there for a reason. And we like the way certain things taste. And it's all by design. Our our bodies are innately very, very intelligent. So if you eat a raw piece of lettuce, it doesn't taste good. You have to have all the the dressing and the things on the lettuce, right?
1: Oh, shit. That's a good point.
3: (laughs) But like a juicy steak with butter and salt. That tastes really good.
1: Not to me, it doesn't. Not to you? No. No. Well, I don't like steak. I've never, i never been a fan.
3: You like? Do are you, you do not eat meat or? I like eat like,
1: meat. I like. Some, I eat fish. I will eat some chicken, but yeah. I don't really eat anything that's beef based. Except I do. We do like a hot dog here and there. I, <laughs> I,
2: I, I crave protein actually. But I've heard too with kale, it's. Um, other people have said it's it's too hard on your digestion, yeah. digestion as well. And
3: look, everybody yeah. is so different. Like I'm the type that I do well off of a lot of meat and smaller amounts of um, like fruit and vegetables, but there's most people do better on large amounts of the fruits and vegetables and smaller amounts of fish, chicken, beef, things like that. I mean, that's where I try to conquer and divide is everybody, yes, we're equipped digestively the same, but our past are also different. So everybody is, requires different, amounts of nutrients
1: where do, you, where do you get your beef
3: whole foods and we have a local um it's called iverstein's we have a local farmer our local grocery in our and i live in baton rouge louisiana um but right now it's 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 scary it's really hard to come by there are other it's the shelves are essentially empty <laughs> all
1: right back to this magic list you're going to tell yes
3: me. okay so you want fruits and vegetables 10 of them Ten. Uh, not, not just fruits and vegetables just Anything,
2: yeah. Anything, like the top three, and then if if you could only have three, and then go down ten.
3: Okay, so all fruits. I have to go
1: shopping later
3: today. <laughs> <laughs> and throw everything out of your fridge. All fruits are are wonderful. Um, the the only thing is apples and pears. You would digestively do we do better when we cook them. Um, but other than that, berries, melons, bananas. All fruits are fabulous. In fact, I, mean I make a smoothie. Tell
1: me that, sorry to interrupt. I meant to tell you that, Lise, because Lise and I love Honeycrisp apples. I recently read that apples are not good for us in, in, the yeah. in how we eat them raw. Yeah.
3: Mm. Yeah. That's actually a one, the um, number one, no, I mean, number one. The first letter of my book is apples. And I have a, 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 what do you call it? A verse about cooking them as opposed to eating them raw.
1: <laughs> I have a better idea. You should give us the 10 fruits and vegetables and then recant your poet
3: each
1: one yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah see, this
3: is why my book is going to be so great because a to z is a different food that you can adequately digest
1: i know and I was reading, fruits and vegetables i was reading some of it to lisa beforehand you better take a lot of um <laughs> the vegetables so what are the vegetables must- so
3: the best vegetables are raw carrot fantastic yes raw carrots are um i actually think of my carrots as a supplement so I, at this point i've eaten so many of them i absolutely despise them but they're so powerful when it comes to cleaning out the, the lining of the gut they're they're so anti-inflammatory they're so cleansing i eat one raw carrot every single day and i think of it as a, as a, a supplement um potatoes red potatoes sweet potatoes and gold potatoes so the roussette, the brown potatoes are a little bit harder to digest, still still got still good, but not as good as the other potatoes. Onions, thoroughly cooked onions are great. How many, how many is that? Oh <laughs> um
1: so far your top three are my primary three staples. So I'm feeling good right now.
3: Good. Squash and zucchini, fantastic. No, you don't like this.
1: No. <laughs> I don't like mushy foods, so that's not gonna be good.
3: Yeah. We basically live off of fruits, potatoes and some form of protein and shellfish. One of the best things oysters specifically are the most minerally dense food on the planet. There are companies now that I've been sort of um, following holistic practitioners like myself that are getting into making supplements because supplements are so shitty, shitty made these days because everybody wants them and they're just making them cheap. So these brilliant people are making their own supplements. And one of the hot commodity items is oyster in a capsule. Because hmm. it's so minerally. I actually just ordered some for the first time the other day. Hmm. I hope my husband's not listening because I order so many supplements. <laughs> He's like, another one? Come on.
1: <laughs> is your husband on board with your modalities of everything you do? or is there any conflict he, around that?
3: He is. He especially since we had babies and he has seen the profound difference, um, in our children and their health. Uh, He's like, yes, he's very supportive. He doesn't like the amount of money I spend on food. (laughs) Um, but other than that, he, he, he gets it and he loves it. And I, I do the cooking. So, but it's changing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say say my boys are um, five and three and they, my five-year-old's been on medicine once and my three and a half-year-old never, which is like unheard of. You know, and again, this is not me saying I'm better or my kids are better. It's just, it shows that there's something to the health of America right now. But I the, mean, my the, boys have never had an ear infection, not one.
2: Which is the, the amount of money that you're spending on food, though. How much mm-hmm. money would you be spending on medical procedures? Right.
3: Exactly. That's, that's my thank you. That's my argument. <laughs> yes.
1: I have an offhand question that has nothing to do with the conversation per se, but what's your take on essential oils as a digestible?
3: I, I like them. I use them. I'm not, um, like totally reliant on them. I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't educate on them. I don't, I don't think they're the be all end all of health, but I have found that a lot of the ones that I use <laughs> to me seem to work. Um, but that's not my area. And you know, some people, use some things, some professionals that I admire that I read will say maybe some of the essential oils are not. They have like an, more of an estrogenic effect, which is not a good thing. We, that's more an inflammatory issue. But some people will say certain ones are very powerful. So I'm not quite in that scene enough to educate on it. But I do use, I do use them.
1: Hmm. We know a couple of people who, who swear by them, like the animal. Yeah. So I was just curious. I've never. I've tried them before just to sort of see what it was. And it was like, I'm.
3: Yeah, there's no like immediate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's one that, and I can't even think of the name of it now, but when my boys get (laughs) colds or whatever, it's an ear. It's supposed to help with the drainage of the ear. And I will rub that on the back of their ear to prevent any clogging or infection. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe it's worked. (laughs) Maybe it's all the other things. Who knows? Um, But I use them.
0: So before we get to this
1: big announcement of this cool book that you've written, if you were given the keys to the kingdom to modify the diet and the fitness in our public school systems, what would be the first course of measures you would take?
3: No oh, man, that's a heavy question. That's
2: a heavy <laughs> question.
3: <laughs> education, education. It has to, it has to start with education. Obviously, remove all the processed bullshit that the kids are served, but I think that's a harder task to accomplish. Um, because then there's money involved and all of that. But if there, there needs to be education in place, kids are not taught about foods, they're not taught about nutrition. And not that they, you know, not that it should be shoved down their throats, but there's zero education right now. And like I always say, it's it's the one thing that is gonna determine whether or not our vehicle runs appropriately or not. So there has to be education.
1: You know what I always thought would be a good thing for public school systems to have a parents' day like once a week where the parents have to come into the school and have to be part of whatever some sort of, if not current curriculum, a modified curriculum, but yeah. teaching kids on diet and fitness and the importance of you know, mind, body, spirit connections and all those different things. It'd be really cool if you could touch the kids and the parents, because you talked earlier in the conversation about basically we're kids raising kids with childish practices, like we're just repeating right. a pattern. So it'd be cool if there was a school that came along that introduced education to the children But once the parents have to be part of some sort of curriculum as well, like you get, I mean, you're covering all sorts of bases with that. You're following with the child, you're getting to meet the parents, The parents get to meet the teachers, and you're both involved in the education of everything. You should open a school like that in Louisiana.
3: I think that sounds like a fantastic idea. (laughs) Yes. And it's, you know, it's sad that you said that because I've had certain um, parents or colleagues (laughs) say, oh, I want, you know, uh, Katie should come and talk to the school and, you know, they'll call me and they'll look at my website and they'll see the letters behind my name. And then they're like, oh no, you know, we need someone from the the medical system or, you know, it's, it goes, it goes a lot deeper than we realize. <laughs> now I give speeches all the time. I shouldn't act like that. You know, it's not a thing that happens, but within the schools, it's hard to come by.
2: Can we just talk as well about this is, this is personal right now, because my, my mom is going through something right now. My sister's been spending time in the hospital, like 10 hours at a time. And they're not being anything appropriate to eat in hospitals either. Would you not think when you're in a hospital that there should be, and they're in Canada. So there's, there's a Tim Hortons that's open part of the time, but, and I don't know if you know what Tim Hortons is, but it's coffee and donuts and the rest is, is garbage from a vending machine. So, you know, it, it surrounds us everywhere. What's, you know, accessible
3: and available. How are we supposed to heal when we're, when we're fed at our most detriment hours, we're fed absolute trash. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's a really funny and interesting point list because I was in a hospital recently for a project and I was getting a tour of the hospital and I was taken to the cafeteria and I was told how good the food was in the cafeteria and I kid you not in each of the walk the line get your your uh, scoop of food area 7 of the 10 items that were in there were fried chicken fried french fries like Nothing in that space. There was like there was a, a thing of spinach and some sort of onion mix, but it had looked like it had been there for a month. But <laughs> in gross. each of the, of the seven of the 10 items, I counted them. I was like, mm. there were literally seven of them were fried items. And
3: Everything's yellow. Everything's fried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's
1: crazy. And that's the same. That harkens back to um, I never ate school lunches, but every once in a while um, I would. But remember what we were fed in school, like some of the cafeteria food that you were given? it was
2: just yeah, we weren't rich days. enough to eat the cafeteria food i got the pb and j every day from home
1: <laughs> well i did too but every once in a while i would get i uh, had a friend who joey velasquez who would allow me to trade my salting crackers for his food coupons so i'd get they had taco wednesdays and i love a good tacos so i'd get mine for tacos so um anyhow all right anything else you want to ask in this space or can i jump into the announcement? i'm excited about the book so I'm, can I read an excerpt that you, that you shared with me?
3: Sure. I'd love to read
1: And since I scored big on the letter O, I'll read that one. So <laughs> I always imagine when you open up the book, there should be like a little ditty playing in the background of the book, like those musical cards. When so <laughs> you open, there's like a little song playing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea.
1: <laughs> I know, because you know, music sort of has a resonant factor. O is for mm. onions. Onions grow below the ground. That makes the marut root veggie, smooth, white, and round. When it comes to amino acids, onions are your friend, allowing your hormones to function from within.
2: I'm all about oh, my hormones functioning properly. So I'm going to start eating more onions now. This is not just for kids. Like, yeah.
3: so that is the, on the front of the book, it will say a children's book for parents too. So my, my goal with this, when my first son was born, I was home with him. I never put him down. And I read to him constantly because I've always, I've always loved poetry. I've always thought of myself as a writer because that was a dream that I had and I'm reading these books and I'm like, damn, most of these really suck. And right. he has no, he's an infant. He has no idea what I'm saying. He just appreciates the rhythmic sound of his mother's voice. So it was one day I was like, why can't someone create something that is rhythmically appealing to the child and intentional and educational for the parent? Because like we've been discussing this entire time, there's so little information about health and nutrition, especially for a new mother and a, and a new baby. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it."
2: <laughs> I I love that because it's <laughs> such a a great tradition. Like starting with my first son, like I would be woken up in the morning with him at my bed, say, "Read a book, read a book," like with books in his hand. Like right. It's it's the perfect pathway.
3: Thank you. And so then the as the child gets older. You know.
1: The, the ahead, next generation here. of key green prodigy babies, their first word will not be mom or pop. It'll be Amino.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so amino, amino, Amino. amino. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> yes.
1: So is the book actually out? It's on the presses or are you still in the process?
3: It's not. No, mm-hmm. we're still in the final little bitty finishing touches. So Christmas is our um, is our goal Uh, are you
1: self-publishing or do you have a publisher for this i
3: have a publisher and i hired an illustrator a few years ago um and it's it's taken she's doing everything by hand i I sent you some pictures she's so talented but it's Mm -hmm. it's sort of both of our first times that she's in la and she's a screenplay writer um so she's never done a children's book illustration i've obviously this is my first time writing a children's book so we're like you know, back and forth. Or, or we, should we be doing this? Are we doing this right And she's like, I think it's great. I think it's great. Let's keep going. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do it. it it's <laughs> um, so, brilliant. Yeah. It's <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I love it because, well, there's going to be recipes in the back as well. So we're going to tie everything together. Like, here's what I taught you. And now here's the ways that you can put that and make it simple and easy for your children. It doesn't, it, cooking doesn't have to, cooking healthy doesn't have to be complicated. It can mm-hmm. be super easy. Um, but as the child grows, they can appreciate the words and the verbiage more and more as they mature. Um, so it doesn't have to be like an infant, just an infant book or just a parent's book. It can grow with both of them together. Mm-hmm.
2: That's so interesting that you say that because honestly, like if you ask me, I could probably, we did, Robert Munch was a Canadian author. So just about every Robert Munch book, I can recite all the Dr. Seuss books, all that, you know, right. So to have that idea that, those things that you've written will be like ingrained and you can kind of recite what they are in our, our youth. That'll be growing up. It's, it's brilliant.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank um, you. Amina. Amina. <laughs> <laughs> digestion, digestion.
1: <laughs> All right, Katie, um, We can find you on green so for some more information and do you do you have your own product line of any sort or if this is just nutritional guidance advice no that-
3: just me <laughs> no 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 pro- i don't sell any products
1: and then if people want to find you on the instagram which i'm putting up on the screen it's at green living underscore holistic health yes and yes. if anybody has any sort of specific questions, do you respond to DMs? Are you open to people asking questions around this?
3: For sure, yes, yes, sure. I do respond to DMs. Yes, <laughs> and in on my website, in my blog, on my blog, you'll they'll see um, the first thing at the top is parent resources, and it's a, a lot of um, different resources for parents that are looking for help.
1: <laughs> do Lisa and I get the one of the books when they come hot off the press so that I can try to read to my sixteen and
2: thirteen year old?
3: Yes absolutely and see it would be a great book to read to even that age yes. get,
2: get all their friends together that were at the six flags or whatever you call yeah. it where you are and read to all of them too
1: oh my goodness Seriously. that's a great idea no,
2: no shame no shame right. education
3: yes education
1: there's, there's a guy who walks around downtown charlotte um giving out free hugs so maybe i can give out free books and stuff. <laughs>
2: I'd rather yes. get a book than a, a free hug from.
3: Yeah, too.
2: Just
3: saying. Yes, I will please, absolutely send y'all one.
2: Please,
1: any closing questions, thoughts,
3: comments?
2: Uh, where were you when I was raising my kids?
3: <laughs> There's still time. Still yeah. time. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you
1: for blowing the cover on lettuce for me. I'm going to have to this a little <laughs> bit
3: i can oh, send God. you i i don't i can send you lots of i know you you like to read research and um, i'll send you ray pete's articles too he's brilliant you'll he's very 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 mind opening
1: are you friends with uh, dr uh raymond pete
3: i'm not i wish that would be amazing no I'm not. On
1: the show. i wonder if he would ever come on the show he's still oh, i bet him. he would
3: i bet he would i bet huh. he would I, um so his if you go to his his website his articles are very 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 hard to decipher because he writes like the scholar that he is he doesn't try to uh dumb it down if you will but there's um Joey lot um, I had so
2: the he's book. not going to have it illustrated with pictures and everything like you're putting in your, right
3: book. No. <laughs> he's gonna
2: no, He's not going <laughs> to be dropping. No, he's not going to be writing.
3: Yeah. He's not going to be rhyming. Um, but Joey lot has a book that's called the Ray Pete survival guide, and it is uh-huh. short and easy to read and so, so brilliant, but very simple at the same time. So if you wanted to, and he talks all about the lettuce and the government's involvement in our, uh, nutrition world right now, it's, it's awesome.
1: I have enough rabbit holes I'm chasing right now. Why do you have to give me another one? <laughs> I'm
3: telling you. This, is, this, is, the, this is my curse. original rabbit hole. This is what opened me up to everything else. Is The, we, the lettuce.
1: Your story about Dr. Raymond Pete reminds me of the gentleman we had on about Bitcoin. We, we had him on one show and he was supposed to come on the show and sort of break down digital currencies for us. But he's so freaking smart. And <laughs> he was just like going on and on. Like, okay, that did not make anything more I have cool. no
3: idea what you're saying. Yeah.
1: We got him on for a second time. <laughs> we like very specifically and explicitly said.
3: Yes. Break
1: this down for Neanderthals like us. Right. And the second show was even more complex than the first show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I always go back to Albert Einstein. He always said, "If you don't, if you cannot explain something in simple terms, then it means you don't truly understand the information well enough." So I try best to got to make it uh, comprehensible to everybody who's not in the field. <laughs> Thank you so
2: much for everything that you said. Like so much of it rings true. Like my one daughter suffers migraines and all of that. And we're we're always like, is it your birth control pill? Is it what you're eating? Is it all these other things? So she's Mm -hmm. not the only one,
3: right? It's resonating
2: through. Yeah.
3: Everybody has migraines. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah, you don't to call me.
1: (laughs) Keep it simple, stupid is what my grandfather always said around that. Exactly. But I do have one more question before you drop. Okay. coffee.
3: Great question. This is one of my favorite things to talk about.
1: I've been drinking coffee since roughly graduated college. Yes. And I, it's a cathartic, habitual habit for me that I do every single morning. I, and I'm, I'm a coffee snob. Like I have really good coffee. Like I seek out coffee around the planet.
3: <laughs> you sound like so me.
1: Organic, homegrown. Free trade, no pesticides, no nice. herbicides. But I recently was handed a podcast from Jason Kristoff. If you've never heard of him, oh gosh, yeah, okay, and he doesn't
3: he, like coffee.
1: And I got into a really long conversation with him, and he's going to come on the podcast in a couple of weeks to talk about this. So stay tuned. But he coffee,
2: nail lettuce. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah.
1: So he basically told me that I'm fucking my life by drinking coffee. So for the last Two and a half weeks, um, and my daughter's a coffee drinker now as well because of me. We have abstained from coffee, and and I, I finished reading. I just finished reading this, "Caffeine Blues,"
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, by Dr. Stephen Chernisky, and he's coming on the podcast next. Nice. But what's your take on coffee?
3: I will say I love Jason Christoph. I agree with everything he says except for the parts about coffee. <laughs> so. This is one of Dr. Ray's huge study arenas. His advocacy, coffee, when drank at the appropriate time, has an amazing vitamin and mineral-like reaction in the body, namely magnesium and vitamin B. However, the problem is most people drink coffee on an empty stomach when they first wake up in the morning. If you're doing it that way, you are likely causing you're eliciting eliciting an inflammatory response that is the wrong way to drink coffee but if you drink coffee on a full belly with or after a meal it's fantastic there are um a lot of studies that i can send you to um it's the thing about coffee is it has a great um it helps to reduce iron, iron overload in foods that we're getting through the processed foods and through inflammatory foods and all the vegetable oils that's in every food. Coffee's like a um, an estrogen and iron regulator. But mm. on an empty stomach, it wrecks havoc. So I I think all of the research, I, uh, I need to find a way to um, prove this because I know I've been down this road before, but I think all the research that just like meat Similarly, like with coffee, it's 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 on humans who are drinking it on an empty stomach, and ca- any caffeine on an empty stomach is not ideal. So, so I am also coffee obsessed. <laughs> Drink coffee all the time. See, I Black. think that's
2: much more palatable because basically, when we got off with Jason Christophe, you felt like like I was like I think our our intestines are bleeding out from me in the inside. <laughs> it was horrific. <laughs>
3: Well, he, I think he, he attributes it to more of a, like an addictive aspect as well, right? Similar to, um, no.
1: It's not coffee per se. It's the caffeine. Which the
3: caffeine. he's yes. so adamant
1: about. And yes. the caffeine that's in soda and all the other things mm-hmm. and teas and whatnot.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, he, what you just said is completely converse to everything that was in Jason's um, podcast as well as from this book. So... Mm-hmm. Do they talk?
3: Do they speak about on an empty, consuming on an empty stomach?
1: Yeah, it, it, and he does, and he actually says if you have to drink coffee. And this author says if you have to drink coffee, you should never drink it on an empty stomach, specifically mm-hmm. for the reasons you just said. So you have parallels there. Mm-hmm. But where he goes deeper than that is the systemic afterlife of caffeine and what it does once it gets into your bloodstream, no matter how much you take, and how it has a perpetual buildup, and how it cuts off synapses and it interferes with, um, receptors. And it's sort of one of the analogies he made in here is like, when you take ibuprofen or pain medicine, you're not actually Mm -hmm. stopping the pain. You're Mm -hmm. blocking the neurons from firing to tell you that you have pain, which is your body's way of saying, Hey dude, there's something wrong. Like Mm -hmm. fix this. Right. So what caffeine does, it's caffeine in itself is it's not the coffee. It's the caffeine. So, um, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not an, NH, an HHP or an NMT, but I highly recommend that you read this book. I um, it's brilliantly written and then tune into the podcast. The verdict is still out for me, but thank you for sharing your insights on
3: Yeah, that. it's it's definitely a controversial topic for sure.
1: So I started drinking- You need this. to have
3: Raymond Pete on too. Let's get- let's, <laughs> let, let, I want that to happen. That's like a debate. Yes. Oh, that would be so fun. Yes. That
1: would be really cool. Yeah,
3: because he- Ray says his research says that if- caffeine, it's specifically caffeine on um, a full adequately nourished belly actually enhances our receptor cells and our communication pathways and um, sort of flows with our physiology and helps with that compensative mode that most humans reside in. So that's very, very interesting. I would love to hear them debate. Obviously I'm going to go with Ray since I love coffee, (laughs) but if I didn't like it and I was unwell, I can see how that would be the other side would resonate with me, you know.
1: Yeah. And that just. I, I, I'm with you on it, and um just because I love drinking, and it, it's not so much that I even—I actually like coffee. I enjoy the taste of it, the smell of it, the idea of holding a warm mug in my hand. Me too. Like <laughs> the specs that I use to build my coffee and how I create it, and all—it's like it's. For wow, me, it's you like, are a
3: coffee snob. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I'm crazy about it. So. Okay. Okay. This was fantastic. Thank you yeah. for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank honest. y'all.
3: Y'all are so much fun. I appreciate it.
1: Thank and you. Con- and congratulations and all the best with this new book. I'm, I'm obviously following you on Instagram, so I'll, I'll be in the loop on it and I will be sending you my address so I get a copy. <laughs> that
3: sounds great. <laughs> Thank y'all so much.